0: I, I do a podcast.
1: I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast.
0: The anathema of God was for those who denied justification by faith alone. When that is at stake, we need to be on the battlefield exposing the air and combating the error.
2: We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple the Radio. You know, we are polemical and polarizing Jesus
0: style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history. It's not fasting, it's the Bible.
3: Jesus said, Woe to you and men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness.
2: It is on, we're taking the gloves off, it's time
1: to battle. All right, it's time to battle. Um, you're listening to Semper Reformanda Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life. My name is Tim, and I have with me Carlos and Hiram Diaz. So want to say what's up, guys. Thank you for joining me today. You guys ready to get started?
2: Yeah, it's good to be back on the show. I know we've been on a hiatus. Uh, a lot of stuff has come up, so we apologize to our listeners for um, delaying our our episode feed but um we're hoping to get back on the in uh full swing here looking forward to the episode
0: yeah same here guys
1: all right so today we are going to pick up on fatal flaw number six this is from carlos's article carlos it has such a long title and i haven't memorized it what is the title of the article i know it's when protestants air on the side of rome dot 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 dot
2: john piper final salvation and the decline and fall of sola (laughs) fide at the last day there
1: you go uh it's a good title it's just long and i haven't memorized it but um i want to remind our listeners that this article was published on the trinity foundation but what happened is that the trinity foundation published part one of the article into a two-part series on the trinity review so a lot of people are mistaken into thinking that they've read both part one and part two. And maybe you have read both part one and part two on the Trinity Foundation. And I think um, that covers up through Fatal Flaw number three. But the whole article is actually a two-part series on Thorncrown Ministries, which has six fatal flaws. And so that's what we're looking at. We We definitely encourage all of our listeners to go back and read both parts on our network, and that way you can get the full article. So we are going to cover Fatal Flaw number six today, but before we do that, Carlos and I wanted to give a big shout out to Steve Matthews and a big thank you to Steve, who recently uh, flew down to El Paso and uh, actually hung out with Carlos and myself for about a week, uh, he went on our men's retreat with uh, the guys from our church. And it was just, it was a real delight to get to know Steve, to see him in person. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's an awesome guy. Uh, had a, a number of uh, really great conversations with him. And uh, he actually, he went to Mexico with uh, some friends of ours. He was doing some research, wanted to see firsthand what it was like down here on the border, especially since El Paso, Texas has become such a hotbed for the uh, the immigration debate that's going on right now. So, uh, Carlos, do you have any uh, any thoughts about Steve's visit? Yeah, I'm very grateful for his visit. He he wanted to come down mainly
2: to, to get a chance to meet us and, and hang out and had a blast with him. I really enjoyed talking to him. I got to pick his brain out um, for a whole day and we also talked a lot on the trip on the on the on the retreat and on the trip and everything so i had a really good time with him look forward to doing that again sometime um and it was it was great getting to meet him personally one of my favorite lines that he that he uh we were talking about is that he he thought he we were talking about women and leadership and he said that he thinks angela merkel is a crackpot (laughs) um it was it was good. We had a really good really good discussion. Yeah. Yeah, we did. About a bunch of stuff.
1: Um so I mean if you guys are if, if any of our listeners are ever in the El Paso area, um, just give us a shout out. And uh Hiram, where where do you live, man? I, I forgot.
0: I live in Lewiston, Idaho.
1: Okay, so I guess if you're going there, contact Hiram Diaz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure.
1: So uh with that being said, I wanted to start off today's discussion. We are gonna talk about John Piper. Um you know, it's it's interesting that we've we've been talking about Piper a lot and um we, there's so much to cover. Uh Mark Jones recently just wrote another article in which he claims to vindicate Piper. We're going to eventually get to Mark Jones and and talk uh about Mark Jones's work and his perspective. But you know, it's interesting. This is a gospel issue. And so there are other things that we want to talk about, but by and large, this is the most important thing that we are talking about right now. So, if we only get the opportunity to record, you know here and there, um, especially with me, um, we're we're trying to finish out this series. We are making this a series, and we're trying to cover this from all of the different angles. One of the things that Carlos's article does that I think is really great is that Carlos has looked at what are the logical implications of Piper's view. And what are some of the things that we get with Piper's view? So if, for the sake of argument, we want to say that Piper's view is right, what are the implications? And uh, the implications, because it, it touches on justification, the implications are far-reaching. Um, but there was, a, there was a video that was going around recently that I wanted to address. And, uh, and I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on this. And it's interesting that this was going around recently. It's a video of Kevin DeYoung, I guess at a, or is it at a G3 conference? Kevin DeYoung, Together for the Gospel conference. And when I first saw this video, I thought this was a very recent Together for the Gospel conference. But what's interesting is that this was actually from 2016, and so that this sort of changes the the narrative here. A lot of people when when I saw this I missed I missed it. It says together for the gospel 2016. This actually was Kevin DeYoung before the controversy erupted. And so you know in in every controversy there's a catalyst. You know Martin Luther nailing the 95 theses to the church door was was what sparked the reformation and John Piper's article in twenty seventeen is what sparked this controversy really for a lot of people. Although a lot of people were were onto Piper way before that. I think uh Pied Piper written by John Robbins was, was published in two thousand two. But I wanna play this because a lot of people were putting this up on social media via Twitter, via Facebook, and uh and it's it's really interesting because um a lot of people take this as see you know the big guys at Together for the Gospel they get what Piper's saying you guys are misrepresenting him you guys are um you know straining a gnat so to speak and um and a lot of people really felt vindicated by by just this little clip let me go ahead and play this for you and uh and then I'd like both of you guys to weigh in on it okay
3: Without holiness, without some evidence of grace having flown into you, of God's love transforming you, without that union with Christ, whereby we receive the double gift, Calvin calls it, of justification and sanctification, we ought not have confidence that we are on our way to glorification. So how would you answer the question, Are good works necessary for salvation? I would argue, as Reformed theologians have, they are necessary for salvation, not according to the necessity of merit. Good works are required as the means, not as the grounds. As John Piper has said many times, as the fruit, not as the root. Not as the cause of new life, but as the necessary effect that life has been wrought in us.
1: And then it says entrusted with the gospel. Um, and uh, and that's the clip. Uh, but a lot of people were taking this as a vindication or um, affirmation that Piper is, is right. Um, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on that. You want to go first, Carlos?
2: Sure. Um, I think, well, first of all, he's not, that's not what Piper is teaching because Piper is teaching that uh, our works are forensic evidence in God's courtroom. So that's not what he's teaching. And I noticed that he didn't seem to quote a single reformer or Protestant in his favor. He just kind of assumed it. I don't know if he does later or before in the sermon, but um, that's a big issue here that people don't really know what Piper is actually saying, and um, it seems to be a big problem because he is talking about forensic evidence in God's courtroom, and so that that is talking about justification at the final judgment.
0: Yeah, something I noticed when he was talking was that he says that uh, well, he equates um, necessary uh, evidence with means of obtaining salvation. And that's messed up right there, too, as well, if, if you know what I mean. Instead of saying that the good works are the fruit of salvation, he says that they're, they're fruit, yeah, but they're evidence. And then he equates evidence with uh, the means of obtaining heaven, which is like John Piper as well.
1: Right. And um, and Piper is plainly teaching that our good works are the means by which we get into heaven. I think, I think the clearest passage, if you understand it correctly, the clearest passage in scripture is the one where Jesus himself refutes Piper in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Because in that passage, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day. And so Jesus is talking about the same thing that Piper's talking about on that day, the final day. And he says on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Now take notice of what these people are appealing to. They're appealing to their good works on that day. This is exactly what Piper advocates that we will do, that we that we should do, that we're going to have to do. And Jesus says, "And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." And so, um you, you know, it's it's interesting. I I don't know where Kevin DeYoung would stand on this controversy now. I mean, I'm sure he hasn't spoken out against Piper. So, you know, I can sort of guess as to where he's at in this whole debate, but, um, that brings up another issue that's, that's come up. And I I just want your guys' input on this because, um, it's really interesting to see how this discussion has progressed. Um, when the, the controversy first erupted, a lot of people were saying, well, I'm not really sure what Piper's saying or what he's trying to say now If you're a Piper fan and you're a Piper defender, it seems like a lot of people have the same argument. And uh, one of the arguments is, uh, is basically that Piper is talking about salvation in a broader theological sense. That the Bible speaks of salvation in two different senses. One is in a way that is synonymous with justification. And so when it speaks of salvation in that sense, It always is by faith alone. But there's another sense in which the Bible speaks of salvation, and that is within the broader theological sense, which includes all of soteriology, which is justification, sanctification, glorification. And in our sanctification, we are not sanctified by faith alone. And so, because we're not sanctified by faith alone... And sanctification is part of the broader aspect of salvation. In that sense, we are not ultimately saved by faith alone. So when Piper denies that we are saved by faith alone, that is what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, this is even the response that I got from um, Phil Johnson when I, I sent some stuff to Phil Johnson. And uh, he criticized me in, in my letter for this exact point. Uh, which he says, I was only able to scan your your critique. I, I sent him my letter. He says, I was only able to scan your critique, but there are significant problems with the way you make your case. And he says, uh, the first one, sola fide is a principle that applies to justification, not every aspect of soteriology. Faith is the sole instrument of justification. You can't say that about sanctification, which necessarily entails works that we do, but you use the word salvation as if it were synonymous with justification. And um what's interesting is I was I was pretty perturbed by this don't you know it's unfortunate that uh Phil was kind of triggered not triggered but um I shouldn't use that word. Phil uh one of his concerns was the fact that I'd used uh, John Robbins in uh in my article and he's not favorable to John Robbins so I think that might have poisoned the well, but this this was uh, something that we've addressed in the past, and I think that it needs to be addressed again. Um, do you guys do you guys have any thoughts on this particular argument that's uh, sort of being used to give Piper a pass?
0: I don't think it's legit. I think it's um, I think it's committing the fallacy of equivocation. And the reason why is because, um, yeah, there are two senses in which we could we can speak of salvation uh, broadly, right? Like, you know, like they say, salvation um, standing for justification by faith alone, right? And then salvation meaning the entirety of, um, you know, justification, sanctification, glorification, the whole package, right? But there's another sense in which we can talk about salvation as um, as something that has been accomplished already, or something that is being accomplished in time. If that makes any sense does that make sense or
1: yeah yeah it does uh, that we're be, that we are saved and that we're being saved
0: yeah yeah and so and, and there's a distinction there right because our salvation our salvation is complete in Christ Ephesians chapter two tells us explicitly that it's not by works it excludes works altogether and it's not talking about just justification in Ephesians chapter two it's talking about salvation broadly all right so to conflate the process of of being saved right now in which our salvation you know the aspects of our salvation sanctification and so forth are being worked out in time with the actual achievement of salvation which christ alone accomplished for us and that we obtained by faith alone that's where i see a problem you see what i'm saying you know, john piper isn't isn't saying the things that these people are saying he's actually he's actually saying that we're saving ourselves as as, as much as people want to say that he's not saying this because of the fact that he that he views works as um, you know as forensic evidence that's going to be used on when Christ returns um, to determine I guess our, our state of holiness before we enter heaven because he views them that way, we're working towards salvation. See what I'm saying so it's not it's not what they're saying he's saying. what they're stating is Orthodox what he's stating is not. You know what I mean? And, and they're doing so on the basis of an equivocation when it comes to the word salvation.
1: Right. And and uh, Carlos, you and I were talking about this uh, on the phone the other day. And um, I'm hoping that you can relay to our listeners what you relayed to me. And so um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, well, in, in case you haven't been tracking with us for the past, uh, what is it now, five episodes... And or read the article we've been showing already five fatal flaws with Piper's view and we're showing uh, I think very clearly that Piper is not Orthodox with respect to justification and we don't have a problem I don't think any of us have an issue with saying that yes there is a sense in which salvation is referred to generically and specifically to justification Um, but that's not what the issue is about. So that's not even the issue. First of all, it's it's kind of a red herring. It's irrelevant. That's not what the issue is. And we don't have a problem with making that distinction ourselves. That we are, we were saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. Um, but the problem here is that Piper is elaborating a doctrine that includes uh, the final judgment with respect to a believer being judged and being weighed forensically um, his works being weighed forensically at the final judgment to see if he has enough holiness to get to heaven that's talking about justification that is 100 percent justification that's why it's still it that's a final justification that's what all the heresies before him about federal vision they're all basically saying the same thing this is talking about justification that's why we've been sticking to that issue it's not talking about salvation in a generic sense. He's talking about justification. And we've quoted numerous passages, uh, Bible passages, uh, numerous Protestant authors disproving Piper's view and showing that he's completely at odds with the established uh, Protestant and biblical view of justification.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, and so what I wanted to let people know is that in my in my letter to my former church, um, to the members of Horizon Christian Fellowship, um, which sadly they were instructed not to read uh, because it was divisive. Um, but in that letter, I I used the word primarily um, saved. I didn't use the word justified but we've already belabored this point that that Piper is speaking of being saved in the sense of being justified. And so a lot of people are making the word concept fallacy. They're saying, you know, it's like, oh, he doesn't he doesn't use the word justification. Well, that's the word concept fallacy because the the concept is is there. It's it's identical um so we've we've already established that Piper is speaking of being saved in the in the sense of being justified. It's and carlos, we've we've pointed this out. His view of the final day, the last judgment, undermines every legal status that the believer has in justification. It's an attack on justification. This was the first point that we made in our article. With, uh, that I made. Actually, Tim Kaufman is the one who made the point in the article that that I published with him on the Trinity Foundation that when Piper says final salvation, he really means final justification. This is why he has no problem signing his name to Tom Schreiner's book, who uses the terms synonymously, final justification and final salvation. We've pointed that out repeatedly. This is why in uh, the the material that my church was using. Uh, it says with reference to Piper's favorite passage in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 12, 14. He says, uh, it says, this is not the holiness that we have in our initial justification. Well, again, if if you're speaking in terms of an initial justification, what does that mean? That there's a future or final justification. Um, this is exactly what, what Rich Lusk teaches, who is a federal visionist, um, and so the argument is is it falls flat on its face uh carlos you had uh something else that you wanted to say before we jump into your article
2: yeah i'm glad you brought up your old church because um man they they remind me so much of the papacy you know rather than telling people why your article is wrong they just say don't read it you they put you on the banned book list just like uh the papacy does and and my wife My wife actually brought up a really good point um, when we did the interview about you leaving um, the the church, because in the same way that they they basically kicked you out when you had already left, that's almost the same thing that the papacy did to Wycliffe, when they exhumed his dead body, dug up his bones, and burned them, even though uh, (laughs) like it's just a it's a total power trip and it's just it's pathetic. It's it's anti-Christian. It's an anti-Christian way of it. It's an unbiblical way of addressing issues and controversies. So that's that just says a lot about how they how they do um, church and how unbiblical it really is. Um, So I'm I'm very disappointed by that uh, behavior. But well, I
1: am too. It's going to be awkward the next time I run into them. (laughs) But you know to say the least. yeah, Yeah, but it's interesting because not only did they do that, they said don't read his article. They said, go and read John Piper's article from 2017 and then listen to his um, his uh, clarification video. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. Because I actually referenced those two things. Well, uh, obviously the original article, but I referenced his clarification. And in, in my article at the end of it, I... I added links, a bunch of links, and two of the links that we we that I added were uh, one from Paul Flynn from Megado Radio, and the other one from Pastor Patrick Hines from uh, the Protestant Witness, both reviewing Piper's clarification. And so it's just it's it's absurd that that they would actually do that. It's it's a control factor. That's what cults do. Um, and I'm not saying that they're a cult. I'm not saying that they're a cult. They're, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this behavior is exactly what cults do.
2: Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, don't listen to the Protestant. Don't listen to the Reformer. Follow the magisterium that we give you. Um, it's so like Rome, it's it's ridiculous. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame. But, yeah, it is it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, I guess we can jump onto the f- f- fatal flaw number six now. Um so let's get into that. Uh, I call it deadening the resurrection. And as you kind of alluded already, Tim, we're, we're talking about how, um, in the article, I'm talking about how Piper undermines so many things in the believer's uh, legal status and positional status and, and just life, everything. He destroys basically everything that the believer has won already in Christ. And another one of those things that he completely screws up is the resurrection, and so let's get, let's dive into that uh, now. So this is kind of uh, all of this is connected as we've already we're gonna, we've already kind of been showing this is all connected, uh, tied together, and continuing from the previous flaw where we talked about um, Piper basically kicking everybody out of heaven and putting back in the judgment line when the final judgment comes, um, and as if that wasn't bad enough. So he actually affirms that when believers, uh, that when Christ comes back, we will uh, receive our glorified bodies. He, he says that very clearly. He says, when the church in Thessalonica lost believing loved ones, the main comfort that Paul offered was not that they were with Christ, as true and wonderful as that is, but that they would be raised bodily from the dead in time to participate physically in the coming of Christ. So he affirms that the first thing, basically the first thing Christ is going to do is bring us all back from the dead. Um, believers. And so uh, he says, "Who we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. And so he's affirming the right thing there. But then the problem becomes when he tries to reconcile this with believers facing Christ, the final judgment. This is where he makes the fatal, another fatal flaw and um he says and i think we've already i've already quoted this before but he says before we enter the final state of glory with our resurrection bodies on the new earth we will stand before christ as judge the deeds of this life will be the public criteria of judgment in the resurrection because our works are the evidence of the reality of our faith and so this blew my mind when i when i read this when i kind of read this again because we started talking about this um in the fatal in the previous fatal flaw it made me realize something because i I said i wasn't sure if piper really knew what 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 he was implying that are you really saying that you want to take people out of heaven kick them out of heaven put them back in the judgment line everybody we're talking everybody moses paul uh and everybody else who who is already in heaven, and put him back in the judgment line to be evaluated forensically uh, for their works to see if they have enough works to get back into heaven. I thought Piper hadn't really thought that through, but after reading this quote, it kind of con- it it just the concern just skyrocketed even more because it seems like he actually does know what he's he he knows like he's actually thought this through and that's what makes this so much worse because he has thought this through he's literally saying before we enter the final state of glory with our resurrection bodies on the new earth we will stand before christ as judge so it seems to me like piper has actually thought this through he's actually saying that yes he he, when final judgment comes everybody in heaven is going to get kicked out and you're going to get put back in the judgment line and you're going to have to face god and prove your works to see if you have enough to go to heaven. And and when you when you tie this together with what he said before about some of them, some believers not making it because they fail to love their fellow believers, you have zero hope of ever ever getting back in. Even if you are already there. And see, and this is what people don't understand. Like, we're quoting to you Piper's own words. And he 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 went back and said this. Uh, you know that that thing about fe- of fellow believers failing to love their fellow believers, uh, and and going to hell because of it, and and so now you're you're getting this where Piper is literally saying, without any reservation apparently, that he has no problem saying that yeah, everybody who's in heaven right now is gonna get kicked out, and put back into judgment line. From Moses, from Abraham, all the way to the last sheep that gets uh, saved and, and uh, dies before Christ comes back. It's astonishing. He's actually thought this through. This is what makes it all the more concerning. Because I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But now it seems to me like he's talking about the final state of glory. So he's saying, you know, it, it, it sounds like that's what he's saying. You know, pe- believers in heaven have glorified spirits but they haven't been fully glorified yet and so it's like i can't believe this guy he he has no problem saying that it's a i don't know what to say to that
0: yeah i was gonna say i think part of the you know we talked about this a little bit too the last time or in um the fifth one um something that we talked about was how some guys are given a pass because um well because they agree with with a lot of people on other topics that are not related to the one the one thing where they're really, really messed up at. You know, so we talked about a little bit about Doug Wilson and how now with the whole social justice warrior thing going on, how Doug Wilson is anti social justice and people give him a pass. You know. And there are tons of people saying, Well, Federal is not heresy. You don't know anything about Federal vision and you'll get this constant shifting of the goalposts in order to justify their liking of this individual when you point out that they're unorthodox when it comes to the main thing which is not social justice which is not uh complementarianism right that's the thing with john piper complementarianism when it's not a you know take your pick the main thing those aren't the main things the main thing is the person and work of christ yeah. and i think that's some that's something that we see with with the piper incident it's like um piper is clear clear enough um, and if he's not clear enough, he's confusing. And both of those are really bad. Do you know what I mean? But I think once like you've done, once you do the research on Piper you realize that he's he's clear enough with the fact that he's being unorthodox, but people hear what they want to hear because they admire him for whatever reason. And I don't think it has anything to do with uh really with what he's teaching in, in the most important area, the person work of Christ. It has to do with something else. Like I know people that uh love John Piper because he is complementarian you know. Or because he's one of the first people uh, who uh, who introduced them to, let's say, somebody like uh, you know, introduced them to Calvin, or introduced them to uh, who's the person that he he really likes, Jonathan Edwards, right? And so they have this this affection for him for some other reason. But it's like he's clear enough on uh, on what he's saying. But this, and I'm saying this in relation to what you said, uh, how people don't see it, you know, because. I think they hear, well, he said X, Y, and Z, and that's good enough for me. You know, like with with Doug Wilson, people saying, well, Doug Wilson says he affirms justification by faith alone. That's good enough. And it's like, that's not good enough because he redefines the terminology. And when you look at what he's really saying, he's affirming a false gospel. But sadly, people hear what they want to hear. You know, they have itching ears.
2: That's a good point. That's exactly what Mark Jones does, too. He's Piper's biggest defender, and he keeps quoting... He keeps using puritans and these other reform guys to interpret Piper and it's like why why are you doing that Piper's teaching is very clear and it's not the same thing you know and I I think you're right that's a very big problem where people keep assuming that this is what he, he means what these other guys are saying and that's not what he's saying it's not what he's saying at all um so hopefully people will say another yeah
0: I was gonna say, another person that I brought up was Richard Baxter, you know, and, and it's the same the same issue, and Richard Baxter's been popular for hundreds of years now, you know what I mean, since the Reformation era, a little bit after, after Calvin, if I'm mistaken, like in the late 1600s, 1700s, somewhere around there, I forget uh, exactly when he was writing, but even John Owen knew that Richard Baxter was a heretic, but to this day, Richard Baxter's works are being promoted, and he's being, you know, p- people have mixed opinions, well, you, there are no mixed opinions to have about the guy. He taught justification by faith and works. He was a heretic, uh, but because he wrote a book on, um, what was it, on on practical living, the Reformed pastor as a pastor, the yeah the Reformed pastor, yeah, and because he has these little these phrases that sound good and these sentences that sound good, people cling on to him and you know they hear what they want to hear and they. They ignore the bad stuff, and people do it with other guys too, you know, like C.S. Lewis, that's something that John Robbins helped me see in his, uh, when he, you know, the paper that he presented, uh, Is C.S. Lewis in Heaven, I think it's the title of it, you know, it's something I didn't even really pay attention to until he brought everything together, he's like, this is what he really teaches, okay, he might be good in uh, explicating philosophical ideas, he might be good in presenting uh, general arguments for the existence of God, but here are all the heresies that he believes, wholeheartedly but people hear what they want to hear
1: well and and that's exactly what people are doing with Doug Wilson right now I mean you have a lot of people like Jeff Durbin and uh, James White who are defending him and like you already said you know he says I believe in justification by faith alone but he he redefines it and it's like that's that's exactly what they're doing but going back to uh, Mark Jones I was uh, going by his uh, Facebook page and uh, I just wanted to read my favorite Mark Jones quote to you guys. Uh, he says, Almost finished a chapter on good works in relation to salvation. So he's apparently writing a book. And he says, Summary, John Piper is more reformed than the alleged, allegedly reformed folk who criticize him. So, yeah, I guess... Denying the covenant of works and then turning the covenant of grace into a covenant of works makes you reformed. (laughs) So that is, that is by far my favorite. (laughs) He's more reformed than us guys. Even though he denies the covenant of works, you can't be reformed and deny the covenant of works and then turn the covenant of grace into a covenant of works. So, uh, that's our quote of the day from, uh, mark jones who by the way we had asked to discuss this um i think pastor Hines uh, had offered to debate him uh he said mark jones said no um we had asked him to come on to the show with us uh he said no so um you know i and we don't have doctorate degrees so uh mark jones's reply to me was um He says, yeah, I've published a lot in print on this, so I'm probably not going to get involved unless it was a top reformed scholar. But I can't think of a single reformed scholar who would differ from my view, which is the classical reformed view. So that's when I I talked to him. That's um... R. Scott Clark. No, apparently R. Scott Clark is, you know, a lot of people are saying, a lot of Jones fans are saying that he is not an authority on this. (laughs) Yeah, that's retarded.
0: Of course, and they they say the same thing about J. B. Fesco. Yeah. And everybody else at Westminster, California. Yeah. And they've been saying that since what the 1970s, 1980s, since the Norman Shepard controversy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it, it, that kind of response, though, honestly, like, it, it, it's pitiful. Like, I'm sorry, it's just reprehensibly pitiful. It's like, that's like you inviting someone to a party and they say, well, I'm not gonna go unless. Uh, you know, unless all of the elite rugby players are going to be there. Like, really, dude? As as a Christian, really? I mean, because... All right. This is something I wish people would get through their heads. Uh, it doesn't matter how many PhDs you have. If you're saying something that's self-contradictory, you're wrong. Period. You see what I'm saying? And it, it it just doesn't matter how many PhDs you have. So for him to say, well, I'm not going to go unless there's a top reform scholar there. First of all, are you a top reform scholar? If you are, so what? You know. And secondly, if you're contradicting yourself or if your doctrine contradicts itself on the basis of scripture, which is higher than all of the PhDs that you have and all the letters you have behind your name, you're wrong, and I don't have to listen to you, and I can point out that you're wrong. And that goes for the whole body of Christ.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean this was the whole reason that William Tyndale published the Bible in the common tongue was so that the plowboy would know more than the Pope. And I'm not at all saying that I know more than Mark Jones, but you know, your credentials, your doctorate degree, it offers you no immunity from from being wrong. If you're wrong, you're wrong, and a simple plowboy like me can can look at the Word of God and say, mm, no, that doesn't uh, that doesn't fit. One of the things that
0: is really frustrating about statements like that, and I've heard this from other people who profess to be Calvinists, is if you are a Calvinist if you understand that the knowledge of god and the knowledge of salvation comes by the illumination of the holy spirit by god's sovereign decree right by god's sovereignly working within your heart then you know that your intelligence is just a means and god might god might not even use that means to get to the end which is the knowledge of who he is you see what i'm saying and it i just don't see how men who call themselves calvinists can can think that you need to have a certain level of education and training in order to understand truths that are necessary for salvation. When scripture tells us that it's, that's not the
1: case or to even have a seat at the table. And that's exactly. And I think one of Mark Jones's first articles that he wrote, he basically said, if you don't have peer reviewed papers, if you, if you don't have this, this or that, then, you know, you can't really come to the table and, um, and discuss this so and that's paraphrasing um yeah that sounds familiar shut your
2: mouth you don't you're not a part of the magisterium um you know and i i think hopefully this will make you feel better tim um what he said d- that recently that's one of the stupidest things that i for being a reformed <laughs> scholar with a phd that has got to be one of the stupidest things i've heard all year um and we're going to if if the previous five flaws didn't do it for you just yet, you're going to see just how stupid that remark is going to sound when we get into this. Because right now, so we just established what Piper is saying uh with respect to believers being deceased, getting put back in the judgment line. But get this, because he because Piper emphasizes that believers will face Christ as judge in his own words, Christ as judge and that their works, quote, will be the public criteria of judgment in the resurrection, that is, a necessary forensic demonstration that they are inherently righteous enough to enter heaven. That's another allusion to his what he said previously about you need inherent righteousness in order to go to heaven. Um, Piper not only nullifies Christ's perfect righteousness imputed to them by overlaying it, with the believer's own inherent righteousness as a second layer of final justification. Okay, that's what we, we just talked about before. He also deadens the resurrection and glorification of believers. So if all the previous stuff wasn't bad enough, he still destroys the doctrine. He completely undermines the doctrine of the resurrection and the glorification of believers, as if that wasn't bad enough. This is Astounding how destructive this heresy is. So let's let's dig in here. Um, his view of the judgment of believers as a as a final salvation, quote unquote, as a forensic judgment of good works, undermines the resurrection itself, because the resurrection itself is what will be, quote, the evidence of the reality of our faith. Not our works, like Piper claims. It's the resurrection that's the evidence of the reality of our faith. See, and this is what is so remarkable because people just sometimes need to back up, uh, the back out of the tree and look at the forest, even for a little bit, and try to reconcile this with the other basic doctrines that the Bible is is, is is teaching. How? What good is it? What good is it for believers to receive? a glorified body prior to final judgment as piper himself affirms if 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 Christ is still going to evaluate their personal holiness as a judge to see if they're worthy of entering heaven you see how it's basically mocking the resurrection like that what point what's the point of that so the resurrection means nothing it means nothing until you prove your works to Christ on the final day to determine to see if you have enough inherent this is I hope people are seeing this this is why it undermines everything that is established in Christ from his imputed righteousness to the to the legal status of justification itself, the resurrection even everything that is established in Christ is completely undermined He spits on it completely by saying this nonsense. And I can't believe Mark Jones has the nerve to defend this stuff. This is trash.
0: Well, you know, I was just looking up Mark Jones, and I realized that he's a—he's one of the people that defends Norman Shepherd and uh, Shepherd-Gaffin School of, of Theology. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. So that that explains his whole—you know—stick it up for John Piper.
1: Well, and it's interesting because I've asked uh, people who follow Mark Jones if he is—if um, he's federal visionist. Um, and he he, basically they all say no so that's an interesting dynamic but yeah I have seen him uh, defend uh, Norman Shepard which is uh, I think a dumb thing to do Uh, but Carlos I want you to touch on something here Um, a lot of people say oh Piper's speaking of glorification right and that's what we're addressing right now and the other thing is that a lot of people say that Piper is speaking of vindication the doctrine of vindication. So, do either of those things touch on this right here, or are we going to talk about those things later? And we can always talk about them later. Um, again, if uh, if you if you want to, or or we can touch we can touch on it here.
2: Yeah. Well, we can touch on the vindication part because Piper does affirm that our works will. Uh, well, what does he say? He's yeah. He says that our works will vindicate us. Which is again, that's not biblical. Um, he, he says he says our works will be rewarded on the final judgment that they will be rewarded and that they will vindicate us. Um, but the, again, the problem, he't he's not just talking about vindication. He is talking about justification because he is literally saying, we are going to enter the courtroom of Christ, face Christ as judge, and be forensically evaluated. To see if we have the inherent righteousness required to get to heaven. People need to get this. And the Piper's defenders are just not getting this. They are not understanding what Piper is actually saying. And and I I, I don't know what it is. You know because it, it's, it's very clear. It's very clear. What he is saying is unmistakably clear. And this is why it's so dangerous. Because... This is why it's kind of a pun, uh, you know, the, the, the title of this section. He's deadening the resurrection. You might as well be dead and not be resurrected because it means nothing. To Piper, the resurrection means absolutely nothing. Forget the fact that you're already glorified. That's supposed to be your glorification. We are glorified as soon as Christ comes back and resurrects us. That is the glorification that the Bible is talking about. Our spirits and our bodies will be fully glorified on that when Christ comes back and brings us back from the dead. And so...
1: Yeah, what's, what, can I just say something? What's really, really stupid about this is if you, if you just think about this for two seconds, you start to realize just how corrupt of a system this creates. Because Biper's saying that we'll have to present our good works to prove that we're really his. And just think about how stupid that is because the, glor- the the resurrected body your resurrected body will tell everybody around you that you really belong to Christ that you really are his. And think about how dumb that is to then think that you're going to have to present your good works to show everybody that you that you really truly were his. I mean in... No, not just that, not just that, that you can actually go to heaven.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the resurrection. That's what. I would, that's exactly what the point that you're making. The resurrection will be the glorious public demonstration that believers are already validated by God through faith alone in Christ alone, and therefore will not be judged, but will be. Vindicated, acquitted, and rewarded accordingly. That is a complete mockery of the re- You might as well be dead. Because the resurrection for Piper means nothing. It doesn't matter. Until you until you prove yourself at the final judgment with your works, the resurrection means nothing for you.
0: But well, you know what? I want to ask you guys something. Do you, would you mind if I read something and you tell me if this is an accurate uh, sort of like a portrayal of what Piper believes? It's not too long. Go for it. And it ties into what we're talking about here. Okay, so is this
1: from Piper? Uh, or or is this a okay? This well, is a we'll, game. We'll get to that.
0: Game, right. I just I want I want to see if you guys would agree with me that we've
2: played this that, before.
0: Tell me tell me if you think this is a good summary okay. of what he's teaching. Okay, the books of record in heaven are opened, and the names of the names and the deeds of men are registered to determine the decision of the judgment. And as the books of record are opened in the judgment, the lives of all who have believed on Jesus. Come in review before god beginning with those who lived here first on earth Um, the cases are presented of each successive generation and uh every case is looked over right so the judgment will show those who are authentic believers in god from those who are not all who have truly repented of sin and by faith claim the blood of christ as their atoning sacrifice have had pardon uh, entered against their names in the books of heaven and they become partakers of the righteousness of christ and their characters are to be found in harmony with the law of God, and their sins will be blotted out, and they themselves will be accounted worthy of eternal life. Does that sound like, uh, Does that sound like, uh, like it's in line with Piper? What he's teaching?
2: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Okay, that's called the investigative judgment from the Seventh Day Adventist cult. Wow. Yeah, and I was reading, <laughs> I was, I was kind of <laughs> changing the language a little bit. Yeah, I was trying to make it a little bit more switch. readable. You know, for uh. A...
1: It's like, a, it's like, a, hey, let me, let me, uh let me reveal to you uh bernie sanders's tax plan and then all the bernie sanders are like that's awesome well did you know that that's really trump's tax plan (laughs) yeah (laughs) well you know because
0: you guys were talking about it and it struck me i was like i heard this before and it's not just romanism like that's seventh day adventist theology because that's what they believe as well like and of course they believe in the heresy of soul sleep um and annihilationism and all that but um but they do believe that the righteous will be resurrected. Those who have had faith in Christ or profess faith in Christ will be resurrected and they'll be judged on the basis of their works at the resurrection. And this is what Piper's teaching, the same thing. And their entrance into heaven is determined by whether or not they have lives that are worthy enough. It's the same sort of thing that Piper's teaching.
2: Yeah, and this is going to get interesting now because Michael Horton is an interesting character in this whole debacle. Um, Earlier... Uh, we uh, I um, I expose we exposed his utter hypocrisy for claiming to be some reformed scholar, top notch professor, all this stuff, and yet de- celebrating, lauding the work of a Roman Catholic apologist who is an apostate Presbyterian. And but but even but that doesn't uh, that's not to deny that Horton doesn't say good things. He has said many good things and many good things that we would all um, uh, agree with. And a lot of people try to claim that Horton is on either side of this issue. We've kind of touched on this already. I know Tim and I, we already talked about this, that both parties try to claim Horton on their side. But the quote that I'm going to read to you is going to, I think, remove any shadow of a doubt as to whether he really would agree with Piper on this, on this issue specifically. Um, So here's the quote. There is no future aspect to justification itself. In justification, the believer has already heard the verdict of the last judgment. That by itself already contradicts Piper. That's it. Like you're, That itself contradicts Piper. Because if in justification, you've already been rendered not guilty. And according to Piper, you can't be declared worthy of heaven until you get evaluated for your personal holiness. And so... That itself, but let's keep going. Glorification is the final realization, not of our justification itself, but of, of its effects. Furthermore, it, its effects, okay? He, he, notice he's saying the effects of our justification, not the effects of our works, like Piper says, okay? I need to slow down here because I'm I'm like finding a bunch of stuff. I'm not finding even more stuff that he's contradicting Piper on. Um, Furthermore, this future event discloses the true identity of the covenant people, he's talking about glorification, as an act of the cosmic revelation of the justified children of God, uh, or ecclesiology, and actually transforms the whole justified person into a condition of immortality and perfect holiness, or soteriology. The great assize awaiting the world at the end of the age is therefore not with respect to justification, but to glorification. All who have been justified are inwardly renewed and are being conformed to Christ's image. But their cosmic vindication, get this, as the justified people of God will be revealed in the resurrection of the dead. This is Horton saying this. Okay? Yeah, amen. Amen. See, all, the vindic- all you, all you the- Horton
1: fans can calm down. We we like Horton, I'm giving him a kudos, <laughs> thumbs up. He's amen. dead on point. Amen, Horton.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean he's still a hypocrite, but amen to this. <laughs> um, so so. That's I I mean, and this was before I even read Horton. I I wasn't expecting to find this, and here here it is. It's in his uh. Th- it's in his um, his systematic theology, the, the, what is it called? The, the Christian faith. Um, so, and, okay, I'm going to continue. The, notice, okay, I kind of want to, maybe I should capitalize or should I just keep reading? Capitalize, oh, let me keep capitalize. Reading. Okay, all right, let's capitalize. So, listen to what he said. Our cosmic vindication... On the day when Christ glorifies us will be the resurrection. Not our works presented at the last judgment. Not anything to do with our works. It's the resurrection. That's totally going against what Piper teaches right there. And it's not only defending the biblical view. It's utterly refuting Piper's view. This is what we've been taught. Piper's just dead wrong. Dead wrong about yet another vital doctrine of the christian faith the resurrection and so let let's let's it gets worse sadly it's it gets worse and i keep saying that and it and it's true i mean it it's it really does get worse and just as it is appointed for man to die once uh uh sorry and after that comes judgment so christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Hebrews 9, 27-28. That verse itself basically refutes Piper too. He's not going to deal with sin. He's not going to judge believers when he comes back. He's going to glorify them in the resurrection. I can't believe something so basic as that. Piper is deliberately, he is aware of this and he's deliberately insisting On preaching a false teaching that is completely mocking and deadening the resurrection. It is astounding how destructive this heresy is. And so Horton continues. Let me just read this last part and then we can uh, discuss it. Through faith in Christ, the verdict of the last judgment itself has already been rendered in our favor. It's not necessary to wait for the final judgment to test your works to see if you have enough to get to heaven. It's already been rendered in our favor. But as our meager growth in holiness and the unabated decay of our bodies attest, the full consequences of this verdict await a decisive future completion. We receive our justification through believing what we have heard. We will receive our glorification by seeing the one we have heard face to face. Case closed. Amen. Amen.
1: And you know, you said that this deadens the resurrection. We also need to point out that this destroys the gospel. So if you're turning in to Semper Reformando Radio for the first time, this is the first episode, we are saying that Piper is destroying the gospel. His, his doctrine of final salvation destroys the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And um, yeah, that's really, really good stuff there, Carlos. I like it when you get fired up like that.
2: It, it destroys. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've been. Mad, I've been bro? waiting for this moment, man. <laughs> this is one of my favorite sections. This is one of my favorite sections. Piper destroys not just the gospel. He destroys the resurrection, the, the 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 heavenly state of believers who are already dead. He destroys adoption. He he destroys sanctification. He destroys justification. He destroys just about every status pertaining to the believer. E- assurance. All of it it's all down the toilet, it's in the trash because he insists on believers being judged forensically for their works at the last judge. It's amazing how destructive this heresy just it destroys everything yeah. underneath it like everything it's astounding and so 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 what is this you know and let's let's read the Bible. It's always good to read the Bible, right so what happened after Christ's death? When, quote, the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and prepared many. That was Matthew 27, 51 through 53. As you know, when this died, there was a resurrection. And so um, this is just a foretaste of what will happen when he comes back. See, because, and look at what happened. So, those who witnessed Jesus' death and and the transitory resurrection, it wasn't the final resurrection, it was a transitory resurrection because they still died. They died again, basically. But those people who witnessed that event feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. How much more earth-shattering will the final resurrection and glorification of all believers be at Christ's return? What when when Christ shows up, see, this is what is so astonishing. Like when Christ shows up and he glorifies us in an instant, all of us, the people who are alive will be instantly glorified and the people who are dead in Christ will be raised to a new body, a bright shining body that's going to look even brighter and shinier than Moses when he descended from the mountain. Not even Moses had a glorified body then. And people were afraid to look at him. Can you imagine What it will look like when our glorified bodies are on display. What doubts are you going to have about where you're going about or about having to prove where you're going to go? This is so. This is like I I can't find the right word to say how stupidly heretical this doctrine just completely destroys deadens the resurrection. I would love see and I would love to ask. People like Mark Jones, what do you make of it? You know, I don't even think they've thought this through, to be honest. And that's what's also really... This is what's so remarkable remarkable about these guys because they're not seeing it. I've I've read a lot of Mark Jones' articles trying to defend Piper. He doesn't even bring this stuff any of this stuff up. It's like, what are you going to say to this? You can't refute... You can't defend Piper's view with the Bible. Like, you just can't. This is so utterly nonsense
0: you know carlos one, one of the things it. that struck me when i was reading uh mark jones's responses to the claims uh to the to the claims being made about piper against piper about against his orthodoxy one of the things that shows up in his writing is and this it's, it's frustrating to read this but he says when i read piper what i hear is dot 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 yeah i don't care about what you he- that's what he constantly I says i don't yeah. care about what you hear tell me what piper's actually saying you know what I mean? Don't, that's like you listening in on a conversation you're two rooms removed from, and saying, "Well, I think they're talking about sports," and when you really get into the room, they're they're talking about politics or something way off the mark. Yeah, you, if you're really gonna claim to be super scholar, if you're gonna be if you're gonna claim that you do everything in Latin, or you go you go grocery shopping in Latin, and you uh, you know, you speak to the gas attendant in, in Koine Greek. And you, <laughs> you, know, you write your grocery list in Hebrew. If you're going to be super at that level, you can't write an article saying, "Well, uh, what I hear is, because what you're saying essentially is, I think this is what he's saying, and that's good enough for right. me, because." And this is tying into what you're saying, you know, is that's not mm. what Piper's yeah. saying. And simply saying this is what I think he says is not dealing seriously with what he's saying. You know, like that's why the serious issues that you're bringing up in your article. Are not being touched upon by him or by other people, because they think they're hearing Piper say something, and yeah, that's good exactly enough for right. them. Exactly.
1: Yeah. My my new yeah. response when when people say, "Have you read Mark Jones?" I tell them, "Yeah, you sh- you need to ask Mark Jones. Have you got Have you read you know these articles? Because they're not dealing with the actual issues that we're dealing with." So Carlos, tell us tell us how you really feel. Don't hold back. <laughs> I'll try to. I'll try to. I'm trying not to.
2: Um. So, and it gets even worse.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's what's you're, so you're like, bad about you're this, You're like man. the you're like the opposite of an infomercial, it, which is like, but wait, there's more. It gets better. You know, you're like the uh, opposite it's of just, that.
2: This is infuriating. Like, you know, and and just a remark about these intellectual elites. It's amazing you can know Greek backwards and forwards, forwards, and be a spiritual moron. Um, and if you want some proof of that, and I'm not saying Mark Jones is a moron, uh, but he's a very smart guy. He's a very smart guy, but his pride and his haughtiness and saying, Oh, I don't, I don't deal with these plowboys, these more, these, these low lives that don't have any published material. I deal with the sophisticated, uh, spiritual folks up here that are on my level. He just made himself a fool by, by d- defending this heretic, this raging heretic who has a pile of destructive heresies destroying everything from the resurrection to justification the gospel and beyond to infinity and beyond and you know you you have th- this is what this is what you get this is what you get you know and i hope i hope people see this and i hope people see just how bad they really look and um but i we're going to keep going because we're not even done yet i still have a couple sections left this isn't even the the last the last of it. So <laughs> go the, for it. And if, if that wasn't bad enough. So if that wasn't bad enough. Here's what's what's more. And Tim, you already kind of touched on this, but the only people who are going to be looking into their to their to their good works, quote unquote, as public evidence, quote unquote, in Piper's terms of their faith. At the last judgment are the self-deceived legalists in Matthew seven twenty one through 23 who would rather cover themselves with useless fig leaves and the filthy rags of their own righteousnesses than with the blood and perfect righteousness of the Lamb. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The very people who Piper is claiming the very thing that Piper is claiming you're supposed to do on the final judgment is the very people that Christ himself condemns for being legalistic hypocrites. And so, I mean, what else do we need to say?
1: Let me What, add something what else do to we need that. to say? Because starting in verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting into heaven. Okay, this is a, we're we're all on the same page. We're we're with Piper. We're all talking about the same thing. This is the context of which this discussion is is about getting into heaven. He says, "But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Now, a lot of people misunderstand that. And so we have to read scripture in light of scripture. What does it mean to do the will of the Father? Well, John 6:40 tells us exactly what that means. "For this is the will of my Father" that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. That is exact I mean that's exactly what we're talking about. It is simple belief. For everyone who looks on the son and believes in him, you'll be raised up. If you if you are like Carlos is saying, If you are expecting that you're going to have, if if you are in that camp where you're thinking, you know what, this is what I believe. I believe that I'm going to have to present my good works. You know, I mean, if you believe that, I'm sure that you've already had thoughts about, well, you know, I did this and I did that. That was good. And I've gone to church and I've, I mean, you've got to have something to say. You've got to have something to present. That's exactly what these people are doing. Look at all of my wonderful works that I've done. Jesus is contrasting those who are truly saved by the gospel, which is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, from those who are believing in a false gospel. And I I want to point something out here. The people that that he is condemning are not just, just total legalists. They say on that last day, Lord, Lord, so, in the Bible, whenever somebody says a name twice, it usually communicates familiarity, that they know the person. When, when God comes to, uh, to Moses, he says, Moses, Moses. And so, the fact that they say, Lord, Lord, means that they were trying to be justified by faith and works. This is the, the Galatian error this is the romanist error they believe that they are saved by faith and works so it's not just simply that oh they didn't believe or they didn't profess to believe and they just at the last moment trusted in their works they're calling out to christ as as if he is somebody that they think that they know notice that it says that um Uh, It says uh, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in whose name? In your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. That that is the quintessential. Piper, he's 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 doing them in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christ, he's professing to have faith. But unfortunately, his faith, his belief is not enough. And he thinks that on the last day, you're going to have to present your works in Christ's courtroom. As we've said a hundred times on this podcast, that is a false gospel. If that is you, repent. If that is you, repent. That is a false gospel. To Pablo and Raul at Horizon Christian Fellowship. I I, I don't know if they believe this, but they love Piper. That's a false gospel. I I pray that these guys, the the elders at Horizon Christian Fellowship who love John Piper, I pray that they would see this. That's a false gospel. Jesus will say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is the worst absolute worst position a person could ever ever be in. We're we're not just talking about secondary issues. This is the gospel. This is people's eternal salvation. That we're talking about. And every elder. Every you know. It's a shame. That more pastors are not like. Pastor Patrick Hines. We absolutely commend him. Because every pastor. Who's allowing their their congregants. To read John Piper. To listen to John Piper. You know who who don't want to take a stand. Shame on you. Shame on you. This is pathetic. So. That's that's all I have to say about that. If you guys have anything else to add or Carlos if you want to continue.
2: I'm not done yet, baby. <laughs> um there's 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 so much there's so much to unpack here. Um he, he, there's another problem. Again, the problems continue to unravel. Um there's another problem with Piper. He he also he undermines All of the doctrines that we've been talking about, even more, by contradicting himself when he suggests that glorification is a consequence of getting into heaven based partly on the good works of believers rather than a consequence of Christ's return based wholly on his perfect righteousness imputed to the believers by faith alone. This is Piper's words Jesus transforms us so that we really begin to love like he does so that we move toward perfection that we finally obtain in heaven. But, through, but though our lived out perfection only comes in heaven, Jesus really does transform us now. And this transformation is really necessary for final salvation. So get what he's saying. He's actually made peace with this trash. He's thought this through, and he is saying, you're not going to be fully glorified until you get to heaven. Forget the fact that you're going to be glorified when Christ comes back and brings you back from the dead with a glorified body. To that, to that Piper basically scoffs at it. He mocks it. He's like, what? That, that's not glorification. That's not what every major tradition has taught. Christian tradition has taught that the glorification happens when you are resurrected and glorified. When Jesus comes back, When you're, when you're given a glorified body. That is the glorification being consummated. Piper says no, he says no. he says you're not going to get it until after you pass the the good works test on the final judgment that you have enough works to actually get to heaven and be finally glorified then he's actually thought this stuff through that's what's so this guy this guy is raging heresy all over it like he's actually made peace with this. This is what's so astounding. Um, so
1: let me uh, let me ask you a question because you sort of touched on something, another argument that's been coming up, and uh, that is the issue of conditions. And so Piper – and I, I brought this out in my article that, that Piper uh, basically says um, that uh, there are other conditions that we have to do, that we have to meet in order to get into heaven. This is something that I focused on quite heavily in in my in my letter to the the my former church and so a lot of people are trying to make the distinction between um meritorious conditions and what they are claiming to be consequent conditions and so i want to tie this into what you said because um you were saying that that it's a consequence in his view getting into heaven is a consequence of our good works um But I said I basically said that good works are a consequence of saving faith. But in Piper's view, good works are a condition that we must do in order to be saved. And so there's there's a problem there, and it seems to me that what you're pointing out now is that get so this argument that you know he's speaking of consequent conditions is is wrong because he's saying that it, the consequence is not the fact that you're going to have good works, but that the consequence is that your good works, the good, the consequence of your good works is that then you will get into heaven. Am I, am I hearing you right?
2: Yeah, so there's two things here. Not only the people are wrong, they're just wrong about Piper. Not only are is Piper saying that you need to pass an inherent righteousness test in order to be finally justified to get to heaven. We're not just talking about getting to heaven. We are not just talking about getting to heaven. We're talking about in order to be glorified. In order to be glorified, you still have to pass this test of presenting your works at the last judgment in order to receive your fully glorified state. That's what he's saying. In order to be fully glorified, he he says, and this is what I read was from What Jesus Demands of the World. Um, He says this, Jesus transforms us so that we really begin to love like he does so that we move toward perfection that we finally obtain in heaven. So you can't obtain that perfection until you pass the final judgment test. So it's worse than just getting to heaven. Now, in order for you to be fully glorified, you still have to pass the same test. So he's contradicting even yet another extremely basic Protestant doctrine that nobody really, I mean, this is, this is a well-established doctrine and there's not a whole lot of controversy. Well, there might be, but um, this is a well-established doctrine. Like glorification happens when Jesus comes back and brings you back from the dead to give you a glorified body. That is the consummation of glorification that is when you are glorified piper is denying that yet again he is denying that and saying no you don't get it until you get to heaven but in order to do that you still have to pass an inherent righteousness test forensic evaluation in god's courtroom to get to to get there and to be fully glorified so i'm sorry but people are not seeing the the gravity of what piper is saying he's not just talking about getting to heaven now he's saying He's saying in order for you to be glorified your works are required to pass the final judgment test. Yeah. So So the, again, the idea it's, the
1: idea that he's he's vindicated because a lot of people are saying he's speaking of conditions as consequent conditions, not meritorious conditions. That is such a bad argument. Here's here, people those people
2: need to look up the word irrelevant in the dictionary that's irrelevant okay that's not what Piper's talking about um, so are we done no we're not even done yet I still got there's so much left here and we're gonna have to skip some stuff just for the sake of time but um, so this was one of my favorite parts and and I really um, so let, let's let let's let's get into this now um, let me find the section first. Okay. So, what 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 have we established? Everyone will know who belongs to God at final judgment by the power of the resurrection, not by the works of believers, because Christ alone accomplishes the salvation and glorification of his people. For it must necessarily follow that either all that is required for our salvation is not in Christ, or if all is in him, then he who has Christ by faith has his salvation entirely. And if, you, if that sounds familiar, that's a quote from the Heidelberg, uh, uh, I think the Belgic Confession, or the Heidelberg, yeah, the, the Belgic Confession, I think it's the Belgic Confession. So that's mainline Reformed theology. What we're talking about is mainline Reformed theology. What Piper's talking about is a big pile of trash that destroys the most basic cardinal Christian doctrines of the Bible. Okay, so... Um, and if and if that's not clear enough, so let's, let's keep going here. Um, the scriptures tie the believer's resurrection with Christ himself, who is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live and whoever who lives uh and believes in me shall never die and so the resurrection see but but we've already said all this stuff right the, why is it is this not enough i mean is christ not enough you know because the resu- christ's own resurrection power and perfect righteousness imputed to believers by faith alone as well as the the resurrection vindication acquittal reward and glorification of believers is still not enough for Piper. It's astonishing. Instead, he nullifies all of them by insisting on the necessary public legal evaluation of believers' works at the final judgment for attaining heaven. I'm going to quote him again. These works of faith and this obedience of faith, these fruits of the Spirit that come by faith, are necessary for a final salvation. No holiness, no heaven. So we should not speak of getting to heaven by faith alone in the same way we are justified by faith alone. That is flat out heresy, folks. And I hope, man,
0: Well, hey. this, I was gonna, go ahead. Uh, I was going to read something that's almost identical to that. And this is from the Roman Catholic uh, Catechism. All right. This is from the section on salvation. I don't know the exact section. You can put it in the notes later. But um it says all Christians in any state or walk of life are called to the fullness of Christian life and to the perfection of charity. All are called to holiness, be perfect as their heavenly Father is perfect. In order to reach this perfection, the faithful should use the strength dealt out by Christ's gift, so that doing the the will of the Father and everything they may wholeheartedly devote themselves to the glory of God and the service of their neighbor. Thus, the holiness of the people of God will grow in fruitful abundance, as is clearly shown in the history of the Church throughout the lives of many saints. Spiritual growth, excuse me, sp- spiritual progress. Tends toward ever more intimate union with Christ, and it goes on to say, um, "What does he say? God calls us to this intimate union with Him, and says the, and this is what reminded me in light of what you're saying, uh, of this catechism. It says the way of perfection passes by way of the cross. There is no holiness without renunciation and spiritual battle. Spiritual progress entails the excesis and mortification that gradually leads to living in the peace and joy of the beatitudes. He who climbs never stops." going from the beginning to the beginning through beginnings that have no end and he never stops desiring what he already knows All right and so this is essentially the same thing that we're talking about here right the idea that you enter in by faith and you're progressing through specifically through mortification and uh, sort of uh ascetic an ascetic lifestyle you know what i mean it's the same sort of idea where you're where you're progressing and you yeah. you achieve you know when it, when it talks about uh achieving uh, beatitude and joy it's talking about heaven it's talking about being in heaven with god you know and it
1: didn't, didn't it say no holiness Mhm. you know yeah it says in the same way that piper says no holiness mm-hmm. no heaven no holiness
0: yeah yeah you know it says you
2: yeah and, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get to that verse well yeah it's, yeah, it's go, essentially
0: go the same the same thing it's one thing to quote scripture when scripture says without holiness no one see the lord it's another thing to give an explanation of that that is nearly identical, if not identical, to what the Roman Catholic Church from which our predecessors in the Reformed faith, if we are Reformed, um, you know, from which they defected rightfully. So, you know, it's another thing to give that sort of explanation to the passage because you show by that that you're not – you don't have an orthodox doctrine, you know.
2: Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, let's let's tie this all together because this is – man, this is one of my favorite – parts here so the bible clearly teaches that believers will receive glorified bodies immediately upon christ's return prior to the final judgment as piper himself notes in the verses that he quotes uh, in, in the sermon that i alluded to that i quoted earlier from him note what these passages teach about that day when believers are quote changed in the twinkling of an eye, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52, and receive their glorified bodies, death will be swallowed up in victory. Verse 54. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians four seventeen. What does that mean? What this means is that... My screen just went blank. Shoot. Okay, here we go. What this means is that believers are going to walk into Christ's courtroom at the final judgment, in their glorified state already, knowing that they will be neither judged nor condemned, and with full assurance of their heavenly destination. For Christ affirmed, he who hears my word, and believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the son of god and those who hear will live so this is one of my favorite um tr- truths that i that i kind of discovered when i was going through this controversy when i realized this it just it gave me an immense amount of joy because you see the beauty of christ and the finished work of christ that he is so gracious and amazing that he is going to give you your full glorified state before you even step foot at the at the final judgment and even that's even that's misleading because we're not facing a final judgment there is no final judgment you're receiving a fully glorified body what more assurance do you possibly need that's exactly where you're going you put on the heavenly body you're going to heaven and this is such an amazing a, a um, confirmation of our assurance, because we all struggle with assurance. You know, it's like, and, and I struggled with this myself too. When I before this controversy, I would hear people like uh, Ray Comfort, and I know they generally mean well, and and people like John MacArthur and 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 John Piper who interpret passages like Matthew seven and say, you better watch out because on that final judgment, you might be get be getting kicked out and get a rude awakening. It's like, well, I mean, how do I know? How am I going to know? How am I going to know that I'm going to heaven? Christ is our everything. He's going to provide the glorification of our bodies. So that even before we set foot on the final judgment, we're already going to be glorified. So this is what's remarkable. I mean, this amazing truth. It's an it's an amazing truth. People really need to soak this in because this is a grossly misunderstood doctrine. People are not tying together the Bible holistically and systematically and realizing what it really means, especially in light of all of these final justification doctrines that are destroying the resurrection. Um, and this is why it's so important to affirm this. When we die, I mean, when, when Christ comes back, we're all going to know. When he brings us back from the dead. Everybody's going to see it. It's not going to be some hidden. uh, Obscure thing. It's going to be obvious. More than obvious. Where we're going. And so. um, I don't know. Like That really. This blew my mind. This just blew my mind. I really hope. People get this. This is such an important truth. to, to, To understand. That your works have nothing to do with you getting into heaven. Piper is a raging heretic. That is a false teaching of false teachings, okay? Your works have nothing to do with you getting into heaven.
1: And so when people ask us, you know, inevitably they will, when people ask us, are you saying that Piper is not a Christian? Duh. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, that's what we're saying. Anathema. And that's why that's why we are warning against him that's and i would i would actually say that piper is one of the most dangerous heretics in our lifetime so i'll let you uh i'll let you continue there carlos
2: yeah so um so this leaves us to a very alarming state for piper's doctrine piper basically destroys this amazing and glorious assurance that Christ has given us through the resurrection and glorification of our body. Once again, Piper contradicts Christ by insisting that believers will still be judged in the end. This is Piper once again in his own words. When we stand before Christ as judge, we will be judged according to our deeds in this life. The judgment of believers will not only be the public declaration of the measure of our reward, in the kingdom of God, according to our deeds, but will also be the public declaration of our salvation, our entering the heaven, the, our entering the kingdom, according to our deeds. So, that's that's runs in the face, straight against everything that we've been talking about up to this point, and it it's contrary not only to the Bible but historic Protestantism, mainstream reform guys. Okay. And we're going to prove that even once again, we, you can go back to section four for those who haven't, uh, you can go back and listen to the one, the uh, fatal flaw number four, where I quoted a bunch of people, Protestants showing how they contradict Piper, but we're going to give a couple more right now and close with that, with that. Um, so historic Protestantism affirms. That the final judgment for believers will not be a judgment. We've been emphatic about this. That we're, Believers are not going to be judged at the final judgment. They are instead going to receive a vindication and acquittal. Along with a distribution of rewards according to good works done in this life. You want some... And, and we'll show people. So how about uh, Francis Turretin? You know, this guy, he gets quoted up from the other side a lot. The other side, the people who defend Piper, they tend to quote him a lot to defend Piper's view. We'll see just how, let's see what they say after this quote. So here's Turretin. Christ will be the judge in that very visible nature in which he was condemned for us. This he will do especially both for the greater consolation of the pious who will look upon him as their defender and advocate instead of their judge. Blatant contradiction to Piper. Okay, And for the greater terror and confusion of the wicked, the process of the judgment is such that mention may indeed be made of good works, but not their evil works. The the pious will not hear the publication of their sins, but the reward of their love and beneficence. That's Francis Turretin, classic Italian scholastic reformer, um, brilliant guy, blatantly contradicts Piper's teaching that we will face Christ as judge. If there's anything that's clear about what Piper teaches is that you're going to face him as judge. You're going to step in his courtroom and give an account to him as a judge. Flies in the face of not just the Bible. Now you have Turretin right here flying completely against what Piper is saying blatant contradiction and that's not all that's not all instead of misappropriating the Reformed tradition to defend his heterodoxy piper ought to weigh what expositors like john calvin say about believers at the final judgment how about calvin we all know who he is right so here's what calvin said for it is impossible to think of the dread majesty of god without being filled with alarm and hence the sense of our own unworthiness must keep us far away until Christ interpose and convert a throne of dreadful glory into a throne of grace. As the apostle teaches, that thus we can come boldly unto the throne of grace. Not a throne of judgment, like Piper says, but a throne of grace, like the Bible says, like apostle say, Paul says, and like Calvin affirms. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's Hebrews 4.16. Calvin continues, Christ given to us by the kindness of God is apprehended and possessed by faith, by means of which we obtain, in particular, a twofold benefit. First, being reconciled by the righteousness of Christ, God becomes, instead of a judge, an indulgent father. Father. Can you imagine that? And secondly, being sanctified by a spirit, we aspire to integrity and purity of life. That's that's from the institutes, which I'm sure Piper has read, right? Everybody, you, the institutes of the Christian religion. That itself is a blatant, blatant, those two quotes are a blatant contradiction. This is showing that Piper is utterly at odds with reformed, orthodox protestant theology
1: yeah which which again when piper says you know that my answer is that of the entire mainstream of reformed tradition he's completely wrong he's self-deceived don't be deceived with him
2: seriously like that couldn't be any more of a contradiction and here's the thing so that that's a, this is why Piper undermines not just justification not just the gospel our status of adoption sonship okay when Christ justifies us he sanctifies us positionally and he adopts us we become the father adopts us into the family the household of God the household of faith And we become sons and no longer are reckoned sinners. So when there is no facing God as a judge, he's our father now. And that's what Calvinists teach. That's what Calvin is affirming. That's what Turretin is affirming. That's what the Bible clearly teaches. When the throne of grace, we no longer face a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. This is basic Bible teaching, basic Protestant teaching that piper is completely destroying and so i really hope i think we gave people enough to chew on for for one day but maybe even for a lifetime this stuff is so amazing yeah to, to, when you fully when you start to grasp this and and how amazing these truths really are and how utterly contrary piper is to this i, I hope people see I, I hope people really start to see this now even his defenders because you have nothing to say to this if you if you agree with Piper. You have nothing to say to this. I would I dare you to. I dare yeah. you to.
1: You know it's interesting, man. At this point, it's almost like. At this point, you have to wonder. What is it going to take to for some people? I mean, if you're if you're a Piper fan or you're trying to weigh this stuff out, and you're just you know. At this point, you're just refusing to even hear what we're what we're pointing out. I don't know what else to say. I mean
2: yeah, we've beaten we've beaten this already dead horse for so long that there's no chance in hell that it's coming back to life, especially with Piper's view of the resurrection so yeah, I'll close with that. We'll have to pick up on the next episode and continue on with this flaw. I hope people are enjoying this stuff. I'm really enjoying this. This this to me was an incredible insight that I did not fully grasp until I I went through this and I I really hope people are blessed by this because it is an amazing truth to to really truly rejoice in that Christ has fully satisfied everything on our account. It is just an amazing savior that that we have and we need to be extremely careful and to reject the false teaching and nonsense of her, of false teachers like Piper, who are undermining everything that Christ has accomplished for us already.
1: Yep. Amen. Well, uh, I think you said it all, man. We'll go ahead and close close out with this. Uh, Hiram had to sip away. He said his kid had gotten uh, sick, so... Uh, Hiram, thank you for joining us. Um, sorry you had to sip away. Pray that your kid is uh, feeling better soon. And um, with that, uh, if you guys have any questions, comments or concerns, uh, objections, hate mail, whatever, you can email us at thorncrownministries.com. Wait, at gmail.com. No. At gmail.com. Thorncrownministries at gmail.com. Or, uh do you want to give them the phone number we've had a few people call yeah. um and uh and some people have reached out to us that way so you can, it's always an option you can you can call us uh do you have the phone number carlos yeah yeah the number
2: the number is you can leave us a voicemail at nine one five three zero two zero nine one five
1: yeah um so we like i said we've had some people email us we've had some people uh um Call, uh, usually, what we do is we'll just respond privately unless uh, we think that you your um, whatever you say is is vital to the to the podcast, but um, we really appreciate our listeners. We really appreciate the input that we get. Um, we haven't been putting out episodes uh, as regularly, and I'm thinking maybe this is just the season of life that we're in, but uh, you know we we thank our listeners for. Uh, hanging on to, to the podcast. So with that, we'll close out and uh, wish everybody a good week.